Yo, welcome to the Hype Geek Podcast, where we talk to you about gaming culture. This week, we have our first guest, Strass Vision, big time guy, Alex Strassmore, works at Subnation, big hype geek, has worked with Post Malone, FaZe Clan. So yeah, we're going to dive into it. We also got my co-hosts, Ariane and Ka, and pretty much we're just going to see how this goes. This is our first time having a guest on. Um, we're going to ask him a bunch of questions about- For this season, we've had guests on. But yes. This is our first guest for this season, which we'll be doing more consistently, by the way. Strass is low-key our uh, test- Guinea pig. <laughs> Guinea pig, yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. This is going to be fun. We have a lot of questions more focused on him and his experiences in the industry. And I think depending on what guest, we'll do different- kind of topics but because he's pretty ingrained in the scene i would kind of want to hear and pick his thoughts on what he thinks about esports current day the past how he got here just learn a little bit about him and the journey well thanks boys for having me really excited to be here you know i'm a huge huge hype geek personally and a big big fan of yours not only because you're my boys but because i literally have been trying to find a way to describe myself as a person and I, I i couldn't have done it better by finding you guys so um we gave you an identity is basically thank you yeah, yeah pretty exactly. much you have helped me find find my true my true self um and i appreciate that and you know shout out to mersey and chris mann for connecting the dots there i mean yeah that's crazy what a what a crazy situation that was but you know i'm excited to be here so you know in in you know, in, in homie fashion, you know, it's it's only fair that I come and be the guinea pig in the same way that, you know, without saying too much, Russ just did the same for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, boys, thanks for having me. Well, welcome. And, you know, part of the tradition of the Hype Geek podcast, you know, we're culturally aware gamers, right? We love fashion, music, sports. The way that we start our podcasts is uh, by doing a fit check. So, Stratus, you can go bottom up or top down, but tell us what the fuck you wearing, bro? I'm wearing bottom. I'm going to start with bottom up because I don't know right. if I, I don't, I don't want to reveal that I'm not wearing pants, everybody. Well, stand uh, up then no. for the stream to see. <laughs> no, I'm wearing actually, believe it or not, I got my my, my oh. limited phase jersey shorts from my time over at the phase clan. Um, and of course, a vintage uh, Star Wars legitimate Sith Darth Maul uh, tie dye original tee. Um, I think this is actually from the Disney store. Uh, not Disney Store, I'm sorry, from the, um, what was the store? Uh, Wiz I think it's Wizards of the Coast is no where you, way. you can find this. Yeah, I think that this is where this could be found. But I found this at a flea market for 20 bucks. So you got to come with me some more. That tea is fucking so, hard. Thank you, boys. I love this thing. Why do you like Darth Maul so much? Is Darth Maul your favorite character? Uh, no, Darth Maul is not my favorite character. But I think that Zabrax are my favorite Star Wars race. And that's what he is. So um, every time also I played... Huh. Darth Maul is like the sickest fucking character. Uh, I'm a big Obi Wan guy, just a huge oh, Obi Wan well, guy. Yeah, of course. There's no one better to me than Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, obviously his his master Qui Gon Jinn, but that that's that's to be discovered. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so this is the fit, and obviously the circulate hat. This is my boy Corey's brand. You know, supports small businesses. He's a a young black entrepreneur, um, and he he does a lot for the for the for the community and, and the streetwear skate space. And he, in his own way, is a hype geek, um, but more towards the streetwear side. But he's a big gamer too. So shout out Corey. What kind of a brand is Circulate? Uh, it's it's formulated or sort of the foundation base is like a, a skate company with you know uh, a take on uh, prolonging and supporting you know uh, the black community. 
Um, so everything he does is BLM supported, donated towards you know certain charities. Um, it's just really to prolong you know the the independent business owner, especially uh, in the minority space too. So he crushes it. Um, he's gotten stuff over to GEZ and videos of GEZ. He works tight with you know that whole bank circle. So this is this is this is a small business in the same way that High Ground is, um, and is really cool in its own way. Less on the geeky side, more on the the hype side, and where you guys are more on the the geeky side with a lot of hype, right? right? So, uh, yeah, that's what circulates about. It's really cool. What is that behind you? I just realized, like, you have hella collectibles. Like, uh, can you show us? Hoarder. <laughs> yeah, didn't I tell you the other day? I think I'm a lightweight hoarder until I realized I was like, actually, I like a, a cool things, and I'll collect cool things until I don't have space for it. Now I have space um, in my office, so I've found a home for my Power Rangers collection. I'm a when really did big you Power realize? Guy. When did you realize, or not even just realize, but like embrace that you're like a collector? Because like I, you know, when I grew up, I I had TCG and stuff, but it didn't like really click to me like Bionicles, Legos, all that. But it didn't really click to me, nor did I really embrace it until I started getting into like sneakers in high school. So Bro, I couldn't. I I I've been I I have been unable to throw away the worst condition PSA one Magic cards. You literally had that at your desk, bro. Yeah, they're on my desk. Like these things, these things he make me happy. Just, just breaks look, it up. Just looking at this crawl worm, I want to put a crawl worm on PSA one. Wait, wait, this Magic, the this Magic the Gathering, right? Yes, MTG. Okay. This is the stuff that you know our our favorite boys over at Brain Dead. This is the the exact card I was telling you I need to see on a jacket. Uh, on the sleeves that is hard and this is the crawl worm and i think that these just aesthetically are so pleasing i want to do something with them but they have more value to me for me to put my hands on and and look at and i don't care that they're not in sleeves i don't care um that i don't play with them or display them they're just i love having them and that's what i when i realized i was like i can't throw these away for any reason at all but i'm just gonna lug them around with me for the rest of my life not in a binder but in a drawer, just so, in your pocket. Why don't you just yeah, turn dude. into like an artwork or something, like a collage well, of all of them? This into like thinking, a right, dude. Yeah, I was thinking that, but then it's like, I can't. Like maybe, maybe twenty years from now, who cares about PSA one, right? Yeah, these won't be in circulation anymore. You know, right. and it's like, okay, I mean, then this. If it gets down to twenty years and they're not no longer in circulation, PSA ones can go up in value too. Right, that's what I'm saying. So I don't. It's not about the value of the cards more than the value that they have to me. And this is like a, such a good reminder of who I am as a kid. Um, you know, these cards are my best friend's older brother's original cards. That when we got an MTG when we were nine or ten at day camp, um, we just hoarded or sorry, raided his stash and made them our own. Um, and he had lotuses. He had some of the rarest cards that we just didn't know the value of and we played with and used. And I can't tell you where the, the three lotuses we had are. Can you tell day. us what the lotuses are? Like Black Lotus, why is the Black Lotus card so special? And then how does it play into the landscape of the actual trading card game itself? Okay, so all I know is that the, the card itself had no uh, like in-game value. Like it, it didn't make or break a game. From my from my understanding of the usage of it now get granted i was 10 years old using this card based off of the text i was reading maybe the comprehension was backwards let's pull up the card let's see what it reads i got you i'll do it right now right all right if you guys are tuning into the stream you get to see this but basically what we're doing 
is we're pulling up the Black Lotus card for Magic the Gathering. And um, this is essentially what Strauss is talking about, is this card right here. Yeah, so I think, yeah, so what it does is it adds mana tap to you. So like, you're essentially able to pull this card, and then all of a sudden you're getting additional mana towards your, your attacks. Um, at this point in time, if you're pulling this card, um, you're it's likely mid deck because you know if you're pulling this card first deck off the top, like it really has no value, right? Then you pull it mid deck, okay, cool, you already have all your energy on the field, really has no value, but it, it's just a beautiful card. Hmm. Dude, it kind of looks like op opium, you know, or like like some sort of yeah, like how what what were you saying? <laughs> Opium <laughs> from from Cardi and Cuddy song. Yeah, Metamorphosis. They're like singing at the end. Opium. <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> Dude, I just realized we so, didn't do we didn't do the rest of our fit checks. Oh yeah, we didn't do we. Yeah, we'll go into that, and then I want to dive back into the Magic the Gathering thing really quickly. Ari, what shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a vintage Xbox. I think Fabrique. it's a, yeah, it's Xbox Fabrique. Fabrique's. Shout out. OG fabrics, you know, or old, old fabrics. Yeah, old fabrics. Old yeah. Um, this is just like a, a sick ass little shirt. Gives off like the Xbox in the middle. Three friends playing around, you know. Just classic, classic piece. And it seems fitting now that you have your, your OG Halo, Xbox. Yeah. Which we'll right. get into. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. So many cool flicks to be done. Bro, we have to talk about that Xbox thing later, Strass. 100%. Of course, dude. Of yeah. course. We'll, we'll, hint, we'll, we'll allude to, to some of the concepts here, too. Okay. I just wanted to get yeah, this yeah. Black Lotus off the screen and get, a, get yeah. our beautiful faces back on yeah. there. But the Black mm -hmm. Lotus card in first edition was the most beautiful, mysterious card. They were really hard to find, obviously, and they kind of really didn't make or break your game. So the fact that they were so gorgeous and they were so limited and people barely included them in their decks to play – they were they were not sought after, but at the same time, they went up in value because no one used them, and they were beautiful and they were rare. So over time, the hype behind the Black Lotus came about, and people were willing to spend anywhere from three to six to ten to twelve thousand on the card. And I'm looking at one now that's one hundred and sixty six grand. Yeah, dude, this is really interesting because like the most <clears throat> rare card in Pokemon is the first edition Shadowless Charizard, right? And part of the reason was because it was so powerful that like you could destroy people in the first generation of the game with Azard. But this is totally different because it wasn't that valuable. I'm guessing a lot of people didn't keep it. They overlooked it, right? But it was I just think that they overlooked it. Yeah. It was, yeah. Wait, so where does its value come from present day then? I think if they stopped not. pressing it. I thought they stopped releasing the card. I thought Got it. Um, they never released it in later series, from my understanding. Mm. Um, once again, I stopped, I stopped playing after, what was it, like the third or fourth evolution or whatever it might be called, the, the, the expansion. Um, but I was also 10 or 11 years old playing these cards, just like not really understanding the depth of the game. Right. Um, but right. also, is there... Is there is there like an artist? Is there some, maybe there's some other additional notes or information on it that increases that value. But I just remember, I remember kids in summer camp were like, some of the older counselors were like, that's the Black Lotus. They're like, whoa. Dude. And I just remember being like, oh, look, it's Black Lotus. Damn. So even back then, people were like, 
kind of knew Black Lotus was like pretty lit. Well, these cards were 93, 94. I was three at that point. So flash forward seven, eight years, MTG had evolved. Oh, and these cards were from so, my best friend's older brother. Right, he didn't right. give a crap about them. They were in those white cardboard boxes. But, but even then, like if I pulled out a Zard from way back in the day at 10 years old, people would be like, that's dope. But it wasn't like, yo, this thing is going to be fucking valuable. You know? Right. Right. This the most recent Black Lotus PSA ten sold for two hundred fifty K. So pretty valuable card. In comparison, Zard is like two fifty to three hundred K. Pretty much the same. Same value. Damn, so Magic the Gathering, Star Wars, we're gonna talk about Power Rangers, talk about video games, the Xbox. Um I think now's a good time as ever to what, roll the intro song, Kat? Let's well, let's get it. Kaz fit check in, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, nothing too special. Just a FaZe Clan anime titty girl shirt. Mm-hmm. I actually got this at COD Champs 2019 at UCLA, Rustin. You were there with me. Uh, Yeah, correct. Um, yeah. Xavier Ramos at FaZe Clan gave it to us. Yeah. Good old yeah. Xavier. Yeah. I love that dude. Yeah, and there's a little awesome. there. Yeah. And they're Amazing like, yo, pick guy. something. And I 100% had to pick that anime girl for sure yeah yeah, so, yeah and just sail hate not gonna show that and then just a champion's hat fire oh good old champion phase collab right there look at that you got the you, inadvertent <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, it is exactly. the phase clan customer dude oh, <laughs> pretty really? much yeah <laughs> but i was gonna say sail hayton's tossing some knowledge in chat about in chat, charizard yeah. um about losing two energy every time i don't think anybody cared I think literally that was the most important card for anyone to pull. And they were like, I'll spend whatever. Because it's fucking epic when you put a Zard on the field, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Dude, okay, so final fit check. I'm wearing the Travis Scott Fortnite collab, which you can't really see. It says Cactus Jack in Russian, uh, in the, like, Russian letters. But obviously, I don't think that's how you spell Cactus Jack in Russian. No, that's, that's no it is. You're right, you're right. We confirmed it with the Russian girl. And then uh, it's in a PlayStation font. <laughs> and then the back of it. Wait, what are you guys giggling at, dude? The no, Russian it's just, girl. You just have a Russian girl <laughs> to transmit your shirts for you. Yeah. It's funny. And then the back of it is like Travis Scott holding up a mic and, and freaking out. Um, so, yeah. That's the fit check. Now we should run in the it. intro song and get it going. And we're back. And first off, I want to talk about our weekends a little bit because I know you two were up to to a little something just based off. I think I just saw it on Discord. You didn't even tell me you guys were doing this. Yeah. But I just see a, a picture of Rustin with an OG Halo Xbox. Just tell us like how you even get that. What were you guys doing? Like, go off. You want me to take it? Yeah, bro. It's your okay. show. It was your it. show, right? Yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna allude to too much because we're still in sort of the, the production stages and post production. Right, tell us stages, what you can. But... Tell us what you can. Okay. Uh, you hinted to the fact that I'm a hoarder or a collector, whichever you want to call it. Um, and I know that, you know, my boys might have a similar affinity, but don't want to go off like I do. So that being said, I want to take people that have a specific target or ask or interest, and I want to help them find it. And this weekend, Rustin and I went to one of my favorite places, actually probably my favorite place at this point, uh, Frank and Son's Collectible Show here in uh, LA, outside of LA in Commerce. 
And when I say that this is like Comic-Con every day and you can literally get those rare collectibles uh, three or four days a week rather than waiting a full year, this is your place. This is Wonderland. Vintage toys from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s to current and baseball, basketball, sports collectibles. But Rustin, I knew, loved Halo. And I know that Rustin also loves Transformers. Uh, what else did you love? What else did we go and f find? Oh, you vintage consoles in general, whether yeah. it was Xbox or N64 or handhelds. I mean, we went through this place and we found the Hype Geek home. Yeah. And at this Hype Geek home was the Holy Grail. Dude, it was fucking insane, bro. The way that Strass was explaining this show to me, he was like, oh, yeah, it's just like he didn't even call it a show. First of all, he explained it to me as like, it's this place where they like sell collectibles. So I'm thinking like it's some fucking random vintage shop like that everything is super high priced and it's like in fucking LA somewhere. And then or it's like he told me it's in the city of commerce. So I'm like, dude, this doesn't sound that appetizing. Takes me there and it's a fucking Costco sized warehouse. Literally on the front of it, it says Frankenson's collectible show. And it's just filled with fucking like storefronts of people selling their own collectibles stuff that they've collected i Wait, saw so this like, is open every day no mm -mm. Oh, three to four weekends? days a week okay it's wow. monday wednesday saturday sunday i've never heard of a trade show that happens like more than like once a year well, it's not a trade show so have you ever been downtown to the jewelry district or like the jewelry building no. in 650 south hill mm -hmm. when you no. walk in there there's like 50 to 100 to 200 people per floor um with their own little kiosk or section where they're selling their own pr product this is the same concept except for one is a pokemon not one 30 of them are pokemon 30 of them are uh very uh variety you got um you know vintage uh costumes used on set you have uh inbox hot uh, uh what is it hot, what are the uh, hot wheels hot wheels sorry hot wheels inbox sign you have the tech decks like literally anything you could think of somebody stamps yeah, dude. Stamps. They had Nazi Germany <laughs> stamps. Like stamps from what? Nazi Germany. This is the uncut gems for Hive Geeks. Yes. Wow. This is I the like Holy Grail. Strass oh. is uh, Adam Sandler, bro. <laughs> 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 uh, that's funny. Stressed that's so about funny. his girl the whole time. <laughs> oh, come on. Let's, let's not talk about that. Okay, this isn't a dating show. Um, it can be. But it very much not be. I will not be that guest. <laughs> um but yeah so we went around and we found literally the booth that is this brand it's not yeah. this brand but this is everything we live eat breathe you know everything sleep whatever um this guy had shoes that were rare what were those uh what were those dunks he had or whatever uh yellow furball ones dude yeah he had the grateful dead dunks in there yeah. he had a bunch of jordans it was and then right next to them were like fucking xboxes nintendo 64s game boys it was hype geek as fuck and it was funny i was telling strass like there was no xboxes in that entire show except for in the hype geek booth and of all the xboxes it was the halo xbox that he had and another Interesting condition yeah and another xbox that me and iron were watching a youtube video on the night before it was like god was like yo hype geek god like whoever hype geek god is he just shined his light on me and said Today's the day, Rustin. You're going to get the shit that you want. And it was fucking amazing. The show was awesome. And, and honestly, that's 
partially why I declined. I was telling you guys, I'm trying to save money, and I cannot <laughs> be tempted by the devil herself. And the Xbox Crystal version is the devil herself. <laughs> I yeah. would have copped that immediately. 100%. Wait, so you, you didn't go, Ryan? You didn't go? No, I didn't go. I didn't go. Respect. Well, good news. Good news is, uh, in success, I'll take the whole the whole group. You we'll know what I mean? We'll we'll do we'll do a season two episode one, the hype geek revival, right? And we'll bring all you boys out. We'll splurge. So, Wait, so, so can you tell us more about the show a little yeah, bit, or you yeah. got to keep that under wraps a little bit? Um, well, on, you know, I know, I know that I know that this is a pretty pretty tight knit community, so I I expect that you know the people in here would be people that would be watching it and engaging. So it would be a good opportunity for me to plug it and promo it. So that being said, there's no no name officially, but you know we're hunting down holy grails. We're finding we're finding you know uh, rare collectible goods. Um, geared towards the person's personal interest. And I'm going to take people on a regular basis, guests, influencers, endemic or not, um, cult cu cultural innovators, endemic or not, um, because everybody had a toy or uh, a shirt or uh, a console or a game. That or a beanie baby. Or a beanie baby that contributed to who they are today. And um, I want to help emphasize that and I want to help find it and I want to ask them to promote what they're doing in the process. So think about it like JLP with sneakers, but instead I'm in a toy collector, collect, uh, a collectible show. Fire. Thanks. Well, we'll give you a name for the first episode. I don't know the full name for the show, but just call the first episode Hype Geek Edition and you're solid. Nice. Okay, we'll make sure we'll, we'll make sure we'll make sure to consider that with the rest of the team. But <laughs> I don't know. That's final the days. But you know, I'm really excited to do this. Hype Geek Edition. <laughs> this is this is like our first opportunity, my first opportunity actually to be. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't look forward to saying this, but it is what it is. Like this is my first opportunity to be an influencer to help influence a community of people, um, and and open their eyes to a world or a perspective, um, of uh, of being part of this community. Like, how do you be a hype geek? And you don't you don't have to just like check off boxes, but if you like things like this, you fall into that category. So right. now you're part of the hype community. Yeah. I, I love that. I have a question for you, Mr. Hoarder. Um, what was, it's like a two-parter, right? So what was your first cop that you remember and what is your next cop? Okay. So my first cop as in for my most recent collection, like what was the first thing I wanted to get what was to start the, it all anything, off? Anything, anything. It could be the first thing you, your parents gave you when you were a child. Okay, let's look at this. This is still in box. It's perfect condition. Gold plated. Wow. This is the this is the Power Ranger Green Ranger da uh, Dragon Dagger. Um, wow. With with batteries, it plays the. If you know anything, that calls the, oh, the, the Dragon Dagger summons the Dragon Zord. It was a banger. Um, yeah, it was a banger. But it's never been out of box. It's pristine, twenty four K plated, and this toy my brother and I had matching pairs of because Sick. you know you can't get one toy for the other kid and the other, right? right so. I remember when I first wanted to start collecting things that this was the holy grail for me. And it was the first thing I found. It was, it was the first Amazing. thing. Wait, so, so you had that you as a kid get... and then you lost it and then you bought it again unopened? Is that what you're saying? Yep. Yep. Got it. Are you wow. going to so get, sort of get those? Can they grade those things, PSA? I mean, the box is worn. I mean, like you can see that like there's a little bit of wear and tear, tear on like the edges, but like this thing has not been out of the box. I mean, the tape is removed, but there's not a fingerprint on it. The, the plastic isn't crinkled. Um, the plastic's still intact. Whereas you can see 
this was my second most desired cop, which I got recently. This one's all destroyed out of box, and it was reflected in its cost, but um, this is the White Ranger Saba Blade. Extendo wow. Blade. Now, Extendo. You could, put, you could put batteries in this thing, and it would talk to you, and the eyes would glow, but the battery port, I guess, is broken or rusted, he said. Um but yeah, that being said, oh no, it's cracked. Just too broke his sword. No, no, it's <laughs> collecting. Uh, You're live on stream, baby. It was ready in place like that, but uh, it goes hand in hand. With... Oh shit! You have oh, the actual White Ranger wow. man action figure. Like, yeah, fucking so life that, size. For those who are listening to audio, that thing's yeah. massive. By the yeah. way, it's like yeah, it's a like... whole like four feet tall or yeah. something. Yeah, it's like a small child. But yeah, um, the it literally is a small child. You can tell. This Saba blade meant a lot to me to the point that I actually have it tattooed on me. No way. So you yeah, have that yeah, tattoo. So. Depending on where it is on your body, can we see it? Yeah. yeah absolutely. It's right next no, to his Regardless balls. of where it is on your body, I want to see it. Oh, wow. It's, it's, it's on his right damn, arm. That's for actually sick. Audio. Wow. It's a, tra it's a traditional, like, Asian-inspired. So the fun story about this, which will tie into the Post Malone thing, is this is done. This is the only tattoo I have done by... A post-color tattoo artist, Kyle Hedeker. Okay. Um, Kyle's a dear friend of mine. I haven't had a chance to connect with him in a while. He lost his tattoo hand in a freak accident what? recently. And, um, you know, that's really tough as you're an artist, right? That's your livelihood. That's your passion. That's what you've been working on for Wait, your entire how life. You, how wow. do you lose it? I'm sorry if that's an insensitive question. Uh, but... Honestly, I, I don't have the full story, but I think it was an, an automotive accident. Um Wow. And so this tattoo is maybe like two or three years old, but this will be the only one I will receive from that hand. And most of Post's body is covered in a lot of his work. Hmm. So the, and a, same, with, same with my body. Like a lot of like the work is the same artist because that's when I got a lot of my tats. But right. this one's extremely special because not only is it the Saba blade, it was something that I asked him to draw by hand and, and, and customize, but he did it. And and no one can say that they will be able to do that again. And I don't want to, you know, sound insensitive if that does. But like, if that's a very important aspect of it to me, is that you know, no one. This is a limited edition tattoo in some aspect. Yeah, it is. It is. That's literally. It's a really gnarly <laughs> way of thinking about it. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. Oh, wait, but... wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So you said you did a lot of post tattoo. Can you talk mm -hmm. to us about you know your story with post, how you met him? what you did for him what's strass's story like over how does the post malone thing fit into like yeah who you are how you got to where you are today oh man it's an interesting story it's cool too um and it's it will maybe explain a little bit about myself to you to a point where like okay i get why strass is the way strass is but uh you know out of college my brother gave me an opportunity to work for him as his second assistant and that meant indirectly working for mark Wahlberg and steve levinson um Steve Levinson's Mark Wahlberg's manager uh, and producing partner. So anything like Entourage, Ballers, How to Make It, um, all the Mark Wahlberg movies, um, those are things we worked on. What did your uh, brother do? My brother's a movie like... television producer. So he was, he was Steve Levinson's assistant, which became creative executive at Leverage Management. Mm -hmm. And in order for him to get that promotion and start on his show, Ballers, um, I, he needed to find a suitable replacement. 
and who better than somebody cut from the same cloth, raised by the same parents that he trusts. So I came in for about a year while he was on set producing Ballers. Um, and turned out that, you know, after that 11 month period, I was like, TV and film has never been my thing. All the while still working for the man at night, I would go and promote in the nightclubs. So I was building my networking relationships um, through entertainment at night and, you know, pretty much being someone's bitch during the day, you know, working my ass off to whether it's dry cleaning, reading scripts or walking the dogs or, you know, filling up the cars with gas, right? Like those are things I was doing on our, making the tea, you know, on a regular basis. Um, yeah, actually it's funny you say that Scarfy. I would have to be there 10 minutes before he woke up to make sure that the coffee was ready wow. so that when I knocked on the door, he would open the door, grab the coffee and close the door on me. Right. <laughs> that was, that was life. Um, and then I'd be half hung over, which is fine because like I get to chug the coffee too. Um, where were you promoting? So I was, I was promoting, this is, by the way, this predates, the Tavs and the Romans and, and the killer, the killer promoters. Now, um, my partner, Brendan and I were the, the guys at the time, but we were working over at Hyde. We did 13, which was the hip hop version of 14, which was the day party on Sundays. Um, we did Emerson, which was also hip hop night. We were really like in the hip hop scene. Hmm. Um, and that also translated to, you know, the relationships that I had. So I was friends with producers. And those producers were also people I grew up with. Uh, but we reconnected because we were all going out together. And so through osmosis of being around the people I grew up with and going back to the studios for after parties, um, enter Austin Post or Post Malone, who is an up-and-coming artist who doesn't have any music out. But these guys, shout out Rex Kudo, um, had, had, and first, FKI first, had enough... Uh, you know, talent recognition to be like, this guy is going to change the world. And so they let him live with him. He was 18 at the time. They let him live with him. They let him work out of this crazy studio in the Pacific Palisades. And they recorded songs like Go Flex and What's Up and Monte. And some of the, some of the most recognizable songs from the SoundCloud era, but they didn't produce White Iverson. That's the misconception. And I don't go into that. That's not for me to talk about. But at that time I was coming around, we were doing you know, guitar by the fire pit post. And I got close. I started taking him out to the clubs as an 18 year old, which I, I know is wrong now. Maybe we can censor this. Um, but uh, at that point in time, he, he was, he was my dude and I was like his big bro. And finally he asked me one day, if I ever pop off, like, would you, would you travel with me? Would you tour with me? I was like, you got it. Like for sure. I would want to, I'd want to be your guy. Um, and six months later, White Iverson had blown up on SoundCloud. Wiz Khalifa had retweeted it, tweeted it. Mac Miller retweeted it, RIP Mac. Um, and I was driving by Bootsy Bellows one night and I saw a blinged out version of Post and I stopped. He saw me, we interacted and he said, follow the car. I went up to where the car was going and it was a beautiful home. Um, the beautiful home that Republic Records was flirting with Post and rented out for him to record his album. Mm. And so Stoney uh, was being recorded the beginning of Stoney was being recorded at this house. And this is when he asked me to, in some capacity, quit my job and travel with him. So I did two years on the road from that point, saw through Stoney, obviously saw through August 26th, the first mixtape. We couldn't sell out a thousand person rooms, 400 people of a thousand, um, empty tours, small, small hotels, um, opening for Fetty Wap, and then finally Bieber 
tapped on them and was like open for me. And that's when things started to change. Did the purpose tour, got kicked off the purpose tour, me personally. Um, <laughs> Wait, I, we I'll need that story. <laughs> I haven't heard oh, that. we need you know, this story. You know, you know those wheels bikes that you have on the side of the road. Yeah. yeah. Well, before wheels bikes, people were like drop shipping them from China and trying to get a brand going, sort of like those hover boat, uh, hover right. wheels. Um, yeah. and they would donate us stuff for when we were on the road, so we could go driving around the arena or like go run our errands because we didn't have a car. Well, I got so dependent on this wheels thing that I would drive it around the arena. And got to the point where I needed to run my errands with this. Otherwise, Post would be like, where the fuck is Alec? Like, he's taking forever. Like, he thought I was fast because I was running. But no, I was using this thing. Um, <laughs> lo and behold, I didn't know that the head of Live Nation at the time or the head of the tour was also on site. And I was flying down these hallways of the arena, <laughs> almost crashing into people to get stuff done. And I guess I had done that one too many times. And they're like, he's got to go. He's just got to go. It's crazy. And so... <laughs> <laughs> thankfully it was the last day of the tour when they made this decision that he's like he, last day of leg one that he had to go so last day of leg one, i went home and i got to go back on leg two which is fine but yeah that's what happened but anyways purpose tour was really cool i had the opportunity to interface with justin you know to this day we'll be able to you know say hi it's not like yo bro what's up but it's you know he knows me and i know him um even had a moment where he asked me to be a stylist and i was foolish and was loyal and said no uh, but that being said, had a great time on the road, learned so much, uh, found my affinity for wanting to manage talent, which is what I do on the side now. Um, shout out 12 AM and Katia Mila, but, uh, found some talent, realized that it wasn't for me all the while. Well, those talent weren't, weren't for me and all the while post was blowing up and, you know, I had hit my ceiling. So it was time for me to go. I needed to go explore what I needed to be as a best best stress possible so i left the post camp pursued independent management with several talent some worked some didn't um and you know uh from that moment on took a day job and you know selling music as a licensor and that's when i got tapped by my boss at the time jingle jared another shout out shout out jingle jared um who was close with lee trink and connected those dots for me so i spent seven months in the office eight months in the office uh under lee Real quick, Lily Trink is the CEO of FaZe Clan. Continue. Yeah. 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 So I spent seven to eight months under, under his wing. I learned a lot about what it takes to run a company, uh, what not to do, what to do, how to lay it out, org charts, things I didn't know before. Um, how and, jacked is you know, Lee, by the way? Like he's, he's super jacked, right? He's ripped. This man is in good health. <laughs> and how old good. is he? He's so jacked. I think he's, I think he, I, I mean, it's not nice to talk about anybody's age, but right. I think he's, I think he's in his early, early fifties. Dude, he's jacked out of his yeah. mind. That's respect. I think it's okay to yeah, talk he, about someone's age when they're jacked and older. Yeah. <laughs> when Rustin is, is this horny for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Lee's in good health. I mean, I remember when working for him, like, you know, his, his fitness was, top priority like it, not top priority over work but like it was like when he woke up fitness right you know health eat healthy don't i think um, that should be overwork actually so it's not bad i mean it, it, it contributes it contributes to the outcome of your work right mm -hmm. um but yeah so i did seven eight months there um i was close with tov and banks before coming in so coming in was easy for me to get in um easier than most uh and i like i said i had an opportunity to uh shadow probably the most well-known CEO and one of the most behind hex CEOs in esports and gaming. You know, he taught me the difference between the esports and gaming business. Even though it's so clearly obvious, they're two very different things.
And if you go into a meeting or, or a conversation with somebody who thinks that they're one, you know that they're, they're missing a couple of pieces to be fully informed and that you maybe have the upper hand on them in that conversation. So, you know, Russ had asked me in the car some of the most important things I learned from him. And those things can't be arti articulated is what I realized. I kind of just absorbed it. And now I carry some of those traits that I so much valued when I, you know, was working for him. Wait, pause real so that, quick. I kind of I kind of yeah. want to rewind to you said you got into esports through phase, but going from this fascinating story, by the way, from traveling with Post Malone to then just getting connected to Lee, were there options that you had to balance? And why did you choose gaming? Or was it just like, this is kind of interesting, I'm just following a path? Or were there hard decisions that had to be made along that route? Are you saying to get into that office? Yeah, or just like, how did you decide, like, okay, I'm going from this to this? And okay, was it well, difficult? Or, yeah. Okay, yeah, I totally get it. So at one point, I was like, I, I put my 10,000 hours into music, right? I'm, I'm like, I've done this for seven years. You know, I have a great deal of time dedicated into this management stuff. It would be silly of me to just fully go on into another vertical, another career. But then when I realized how close and how inter interconnected the culture of gaming um, is to everything else, lifestyle-wise, music, entertainment, et cetera, you know, it was just a no-brainer. It's like, this is the next industry. I have a leg, uh, a way into the, the most infamous or well-known brand, I would say, in the esports and gaming space. Um, so it was an easy transition for me to be like, all right, I'm moving from post, right, which is huge to another huge platform in a totally different realm. But the thing is, is like the, my experience with post is really what helped get me in the door. Um, them knowing that I knew how to interface with talent, mm. that I knew how to handle myself with brands, that I knew the landscape um, and that Ricky Banks is very much um, a star in the way that post is right so if i can handle post i can handle ricky and ricky's pretty crazy i mean he destroyed a, the win hotel room like you that's infamous <laughs> like everybody knows he did that yeah you know, i can't say that post has many articles about him destroying things i mean he got in a car accident he didn't go through a bieber thing but i think that lee had seen that you know i'm a i'm a hustler in the entertainment space with experience with talent and it was a no-brainer to bring someone as creative or young um into the company and, you know, although I didn't get to fulfill those responsibilities in the way that I would have liked to, I learned a lot. And now I get to do that when I got tapped by um, Seven and Doug and Chris over at Subnation, Subnation. To, to do what I'm doing and creatively come up with content, find talent, create IP and go to market with really cool concepts that are powered by interests of mine. So tell us about Subnation specifically we're good friends with chris mann he was at ult we knew chris from the beginning and that's actually how you and i got connected was uh chris we had a call with chris you were on the call and then anna mersey who you know and is also a mutual friend of mine um connected us as well so it was just like okay i guess we have to like meet and hang out yeah just to elaborate on that mersey was like yo you got to meet my friend rustin he did this thing e coliseum like he's He's, ta he's tapped into the esports and gaming space. I don't know much about this area, but you guys got to connect. Follow him on Instagram. And I had just met Mersey, so I wasn't quick to jump to like, just, okay, let me just follow whoever she says to follow. Right. Um, and then following a week later, Chris Mann joins the, the Subnation team. And he's like, dude, you got to meet my, my 
esports gaming son rustin this kid is <laughs> so smart um so ready for this space and i was like dude this girl just told me i needed to follow this guy connect us let's go and so we got on the call and it's history you know now we're where we are now but previous to that you asked you know what is subnation and the best way to describe what subnation is is we're like a gaming media partner we're the switzerland in the esports and gaming space we want to connect brands endemic or non-endemic with talent um non-endemic or endemic to gaming because we want to we want to broaden this ver this verse metaverse universe space vertical um as wide as possible and in that process we want to create great content and ip to associate with that talent and that brand um so on top of doing a lot of content we do advisory stuff too but my focus at subnation is how do i maximize this audience that we're working on building and how do i refocus it into the content we're producing mm. so in some capacity am i i'm the head of talent but i'm also in some capacity a community manager um because what's most important right now is that we build an audience to show these beautiful pieces of content that we're building. Right. Um, we have top tier graphic uh, designers, animators. I mean, we have a, a company of legends running at the top. We have Doug Scott. He, he comes from Ogilvy and Endeavor. He's, he's responsible for Serena Williams off the court. We have Ed Tomasi, who's like an esports legend in regards to ESL and participating in, in the higher level of, of league play. We have seven, seven uh, Volpone, who not only is an entertainment talent himself, but he's a crazy, crazy predicted, predict, predictive um, investor and great CEO because he understands how important lifestyle is to gaming. Um, and his relationships supersede most people I know. So he's able to connect some really big, big dots. And then you're powered by Chris and myself, right? Who are going on the ground and coming up with these great ideas, identifying great talent, and working with them. So Subnation is, is in, in, in turn, the home I was looking for um, after learning so much that I did from phase and from post. This is, I'm, I, I couldn't have ended up at a per more perfect place. That's dope. Is there something that we might know of that Subnation has done or the chat or the listeners? What's something crazy that Subnation has done that well, we might've heard of content-wise or event-wise? So most, most recently, we are, we are officially uh, responsible for Atari Hotels. We mm. do everything uh, as far Which as... Which we talked about on the podcast, by the way, if you guys are right. OG listeners. <clears throat> so we're their agency of record. We're helping them build out their, their marketing, their, 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 their advertising, their influencer structure, uh, activations, events, digital events. Um, anything you could think of associated with that play, we're helping roll out. Um, prior to my being there, we've done a lot of cool stuff with live activations, E3, Comic-Con, Player Omega. Um, you know, we are, are doing nonstop, um, we had a nonstop, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Development of content that, you know, this year we're looking to put out. So we have, I, um, a pilot episode with Alex Golden Boy, and we did something called Level Up and Level Up is like an HGTV take on revamping your home stream setup. So we're going to cool. go around and pick, pick some cool kids who, who may be underprivileged or some cool talent who are trying to shift their focus into gaming and level up their setup. I love that. It's like pimp my so, ride. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're giving um, them all high ground keyboards. Shameless plug. Sorry. Uh, correct. I actually talked to Rustin about this a long time yep. ago. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's already built into my budgeting here. Um, but yeah, no. So Subnation is really honestly some someone to pay attention to in 21 the same way that I would say pay attention very closely to Hype Beak and High Ground. Um, we're going to be doing different things for sure, but we're going to be doing really, really cool, unique stuff. Like, for example, my show, I think, is going to be the thing to kick it off. Um, and I hope that, you know, we, we put together something really, really epic with the footage we got. And, and, and instead of me talking about it, chat can see it. You know what I mean? The audience can watch it and, and, and believe it and feel it the way that when I come in and tune in here, I watch it, feel it, and believe it. So, you know, for the most part, content, content, content. Yeah, well, trust when it comes out that we'll put it up on here. We'll be talking about it on the podcast. We're fucking stoked. Let's go. Bro. Let's so, go. Um, you know, you work at Subnation now, work in gaming, but music has always been a big part of who you are and, and what you like, right? And so how are you juggling your time with Subnation and with the music thing? And like, why do you like, what's the obsession with the music management? And the artists that you have and what's special about those artists can you like dive into those a little bit yeah for sure so first of all um in the way that gaming is a passion music is a passion as well but you know more recently with the the influx of of business to business and growth in the industry here um you know that that passion has transcended to um a career um so they're they're very different but at the same time music has come to a halt in some capacity because the industry has come to a halt. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm still pursuing music because I've put not only endless amounts of work and belief and, and, and sweat, blood, sweat, and tears into the grind that I have that I see myself breaking through with these specific artists. Now, before I wouldn't, I couldn't have co uh, confidently told you that with my roster, I was ready to say, I'm, I'm going to be a big manager. But in this situation with the talent that I have, the rate that they're moving and the growth that they're having, it would be foolish of me to just say, I got to go all into gaming. That being said, they go hand in hand. I mean, I can build IP and content around this talent should they grow. And with their growth, I grow. And with my growth, Subnation grows, right? So right. they're all hand in hand here. Um, 12 AM, great kid out of Toronto, R&B, um, hip hop, pop inspired. Sounds you know like the white weekend, but also has his own flair. <laughs> Um, he loves, I mean, he loves the weekend. He's inspired by him being a, a Toronto native as well. Um, he has a couple songs that are coming out this year. One just came out called wake up, check him out on Spotify. And then I have a girl, Katya Mila, who I just signed, um, six months ago. And in these first six months, put out three songs. She's got, you know, over a million plays now. And she has been synced into television shows, which just aired Friday, um, on Fox fire. So check her out wow. at Katya. Um, By so, the way, I listened to her song "Careless" and I love it. I'm song glad you like "Careless." I'm excited for for new music from her, and I'll check out "12 A.M." as well. Great, thank you for your support there. Oh. But yeah, so just to, to to reiterate, music is a passion in the same way that gaming was, and I tried turning that music into a career, and it hasn't necessarily become a career. It's still maintained as a passion and a focus of mine. Whereas the gaming was so quick to become a career that it would be foolish of me to either to dump either one of those things. Right. Right. So because they're so intrinsic, intrinsically tied together, it was important for me to pursue both of them and make sure that, you know, um, anybody that knows me and knows what my hustles are, it's very clear that it's the music and it's the gaming rather than it's 
the music, the gaming, this, that, 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 that. And that's what I'm focusing on this year is streamlining what it is Strass does and making sure that people know that he's all in here and he's all in here. Right. You don't have to question what he does. You don't have to question your trust and your faith in, in, his, in his brand. This is what Strass is. Shout out, Rustin. <laughs> Mike, mic drop. So Strass. That was beautiful. You know, we've, we've gotten to the, the career arc. Um, got a little serious there. I want to lighten it up a little bit. And we'll see how you respond to this question. Um, but basically, how are the ladies, bro? Not like, you don't have to go into that. <laughs> and you don't have to really tell anything if you don't want to. We can move Dude, to it's the almost like topic. he anticipated the question already. Like, we, we can move I, on to the next story topic. Here. I don't know anything about all, it. All I want to know is like, you know, sure. we heard about Strass's vision for the year, right? What's Strass's vision with the girls for the year? Like, you're trying to settle down, you know? Is this an open casting call to all the hype? I don't even know what you would call the... Uh, hype, hype cheeks are press? gender neutral, I guess, so... Did you say hype cheeks? Hype oh, hype cheeks. I pivoted when I realized what it would sound like. Hype cheeks! <laughs> all right, yo, yeah, so what's good with the hype cheeks for this year, Strass? <laughs> We need, a, we need a segment. Segment. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, that's and we're forever asking about <laughs> hype cheeks in every guest yeah. interview. What's good with the hype cheeks, male or female? There you go. Boom. Yeah. There it is. Boom. There it is. Okay. So, um, hype cheeks. Hype cheeks. Okay. So, first of all, I knew this was coming, and to answer your question, Cat, this was coming because, you know, Russin and I have deep conversations. That's what boys do, right? And sometimes I'm looking for an answer, and and when I go to Rustin, it's usually about focus. You know clarity in my mind right and when he comes to me it's stress what do i say to her right so <laughs> so that's why i anticipated it, it happening because i'm but too focused being, bro but that being said you know um i've always been a relationship guy uh from 2011 to 2017 and a half 18 i was with one girl um and i told you i was touring i was traveling i was promoting and you can imagine that that didn't go as well as one would imagine um, or hope, sorry. And so from there, I went into another relationship that, you know, I, I also love the girl. It never was drama, never was an issue. We lived together, but just didn't end up being what it was supposed to be for me. Was so she the, that the being chef? Said, Wait, sorry. She was, she the, was chef. the chef. So she was the chef. Funny story about this. Strass basically dated the chef of a breakfast place who I was also seeing a waitress there. A year ago oh, no way i yeah. know exactly where you're talking about. Yeah. what is this restaurant by the way for research purposes probably best that we don't say the name yeah, of the restaurant <laughs> we'll send it offline we'll send it offline yeah, yeah. oh I, i'm yeah. assuming it was a chain that's why oh no no, 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 no so we no, could have no, potentially crossed like paths solo. and had no idea uh, yeah yeah but um you know really great girl just the uh, it was too serious too soon for me and you know i think that moving forward i realized that i needed me time so that being said, I'm in me time. Me time means that, you know, if whatever happens, happens. Um, I, I've been dating um, for the last six months, I would say four months, five months, you know, on and off with, you know, one or two different people. Um, and it's really hard to date during this time anyway. So um, it's been fun. It's been cool. There's, I wouldn't say one specific person that I'm ready to settle down with, but, you know, there are people in my life that I would say I have interest in. So. Let's see where it goes in 21, right? Uh, yeah. This is the year of empowerment, self-empowerment. So I don't want to take away whatever drive or focus I'm building 
right now in this momentum by being so concerned and wasting my brain real estate on does she want to be with me? Right. It's more like she's with me. Let that be. Right. Well, you know, we'll, we'll get a hype cheeks update eventually. Right. You know, um, I want to end this interview with one last question. Um, what's the, like, look, you're a fucking geek, right? As all of us are and the people listening, what's like the one thing that you could geek the fuck out on and why? Like, what is this? What's the that hype geek thing about you? What's so special about it? You know, do you want a special moment, like a specific moment that made me cry? Dude, it could be that. I mean, it sounds like that's what you want to talk about. So go ahead, hit it. <laughs> it's a spoiler, though. So I don't know if I can hit it. A spoiler, spoiler for, what? for what? Mando season two. Okay. 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 It's a it's a season two finale that I but cried over. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The season two finale was. I right, spoiler warning up. just for everyone listening. No, but now you should go we ahead. even? I won't. I won't even. I won't. I won't say it. But all else, all I'll say is no, I, I had dinner on my lap, and other things around that shouldn't be on the floor, and I disregarded all of it. Stood up and lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> screamed. <laughs> screamed. I I screamed. I replayed it four times. And I called everybody that knew I would care. Like everybody. I called Except my best me. friend Mikey. Okay, sorry. I'm I called kidding. my best friend Mikey. <laughs> I called my brother who, by the way, my brother and I weren't really talking at this point. But I called my brother. I was like, yo. Oh, that's nice. Did you fucking see that? That is nice. Um, you know, I called my SWG boys, which we didn't get a chance to touch on, which I, I can't wait till we do it eventually. Um, but dude, that moment where all I'll say is you see a green lightsaber. Mm-hmm. At that very moment, they say Trust. Star Wars. You got to Star Wars. He was bowing, by the way, for people listening. Like, why did it? Yeah, yeah, he was bowing. I, I, I cow out is actually what that's called. Oh, sorry, sorry. You got to, uh, you got to come over for Mando and the new Ahsoka show, and and uh, oh, dude, there's so much to watch now. All the new shows, we're, dude. We're gonna have to. Is, so 2010s was was Marvel's Renaissance, right? The 2020s is Star Wars Renaissance. Yep. And One you know of the, the topics we had with down was the uh the new ubisoft rpg so wait is your hype is your ideal hype cheeks like a star wars cosplay girl like i mean uh leia or ahsoka like that'll tell me a lot about you you know (laughs) slave leia slave leia till i die there's no question (laughs) slave leia what about padme bro put some respect yo actually loki padme Padme is top of the hype cheeks the queen okay 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 what's your trilogy though Original or prequels? Because I know it's not a new trilogy, but originals or prequels? Obviously, episode five is my favorite of all time. So the, the, the originals. Um, but if you want to talk about the best Star Wars movie made ever, Rogue One. I fucking love Rogue One. Rogue One is the most driven storyline that has so much attachment and no repeat value in the mm-hmm. sense of you can't build off this story any more than you, you have. And it gives you everything you need to understand the rest of the canon. And the characters you get attached to, and when you see the end, you're like, no. But at the same time, you're like, this has to happen. Right. This has to happen. In the same way that I had that same feeling, season finale episode two, when I stood up and I realized this is the only thing, this is the only thing that could have happened that saves canon because jj and ryan ruined ruined canon and sadly 
I mean, I, people don't want to admit it because it's so Marvel of them to admit it. But Favreau saved Star Wars, and Filoni saves saves Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, percent. I agree. Filoni, Filoni Lucas, was like Star Wars's heart in the early yeah. on, and then they he's original counsel didn't use him, and then they brought him back, and then he saved it. Lucas saved brought it. he's Lucas two and that's what they're saying back. is that Lucas is taking him under his wing to kind of wow usher this new generation of Star Wars, so that Favreau can do what he does best, which is direct and develop story. Right. Mm -hmm. So Filoni will will focus on lore and fact checking and reality and 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 connect connectivity of storyline but favreau will execute it with beauty 100%. With, with sheer precision 100%. um which is what they did with mando and people feel like it's so bad because it's like a western and every time there's a new mission but that's it, it really it, season one really was just doing the side missions. Yeah. But that's Star Wars. All the side mission, and then season two, he's like, "All right, main story, let's go." But it's yeah. but it's Star. That's how Star Wars is. It's all story. It's yeah. all it's all development. And it's like if you grow attachment to to Din Djarin, a helmeted mass bandit of of a Mandalorian who lives his own radical way, mm -hmm. who's supposed to have no emotion, grow this this attachment to a a little thing. And you see this beautiful arc. You see this beautiful arc of that growth. Um, it can only be done by those two. It can only be done by those two. And I think that the way that it was done is 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 the only way that you could you could find that growth. Because if you're a Star Wars fan and gamer, like that's how the games roll out. Would you say Rogue One? Like talking about all, not just movies, but the shows, spinoffs, everything. Game like uh, we'll leave games out of this. But for Star Wars viewing content is rogue one at the top of your list yeah for sure i mean it's it's episode five rogue one return of the jedi um shamelessly i really like revenge of the sith because of the action wait uh, shameless that's like the best one but i just like the action that's the only thing i like about it someone said phantom menace was their favorite and i told them to leave i kind of fuck with phantom menace but I don't know. I mean, Pod Racer was, wait, wait, wait. was just so my favorite, important for me. My favorite viewing content for Star Wars is the Clone Wars show, the animated show. That's, that's, that's great. Pretty good. It's pretty it's good. It's cool, and that's that's all Filoni. So, and they're going to bring it to life. So they're going to bring it to life, which is what they did with this, with the, with the Shoka. So, yeah. um, you know what I'm excited about, which they haven't alluded to, is there has to be some tie-in or end to the Mace Windu arc because there is no end. If you don't know that Mace dies dude, or not. I know, and I've seen a I lot think... of fucking like fan fiction of like, could he have survived? But then That's also, crazy like, there's too. no fucking way he could have survived that fall, right? But I feel like knowing what Marvel has done and like what Disney has done to bring people back, like they're thinking about how do we fucking bring this guy back in some way so that they can get the same effect that they got in movie theaters when people stood the fuck up when like, uh, uh, something happened in the most recent Infinity War, right? Yeah. They want that effect, right? So yeah. imagine Mace Windu flies out of fucking nowhere and comes, and he's like, I'm back, motherfuckers! And then he just fucking <laughs> does his shit, you know? So He just Samuel L. Jackson's his way in. I'm sick and tired of these motherfucking dark troopers on this motherfucking <laughs> ship. Right? Yeah. So no, there'd be just something so iconic about a shadow and then all of a sudden you see the purple saber, right? It's yeah. just like you now you know that this is back into canon and how are we going to figure out where this goes? And without saying too much, I thought season 2 uh, finale was going to be a purple saber, not a green one. Yeah. Um I thought it that would have made Ezra. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I don't think the time does the timeline match? Uh yeah. 
He, okay, okay. Because he, he like dipped in Rebels, and Ahsoka was looking for him. Explain. So I thought um, it would have been. Explain Ezra for the also... Star Wars Uninformed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Ezra is a character in Rebels, which is post. Uh, it's post Order sixty six, right? So it's like right before A New Hope and during A New Hope, because like the show ends with the Battle of Yavin. Um, and Ezra is basically a Force sensitive that um, gets found by the Rebels and gets trained under Ahsoka and under um, another Jedi that escaped Order sixty six, and essentially he's like. Like Ahsoka was like, all right, this kid's got to be our savior. He, this kid's got to be the chosen one, right? Like not knowing what's actually like what's gonna happen in the future, of course. So they train him up, and then I didn't finish the show, but he he leaves. He goes in exile, and Ahsoka ends with uh, her looking for him. Like I mean, the show ends with Ahsoka looking for him. Um. And so I also thought I, it was gonna be fucking Cal Kestis too. Like, let's be real. Like, I thought people were were saying Cal Kestis from the from the game. Yeah, but that it wouldn't have been that would have been wild. That's a hammer. By the way, we're talking about it the EA Star Wars game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have connect. That would have been additional connectivity that I would have thought was was useless for canon. And right now, what they're trying to do is restore canon so people care about Star Wars in a way that they cared about it before. Um, a lot of OG fans are like. Fuck. Right, they are can't, mm-hmm. so lazy, but now it's getting to the point where okay, we're gearing up for the next mm-hmm. next wave. Um, yeah. So that being said, you know, Ahsoka being Anakin's Padawan to translate it down to you know Ezra, etc. That's a really cool lineage. But this is this what they did is now explaining the birth of Kylo Ren, and mm. that is the most important part of this next arc because you see that transition from Ben to Kylo to Ben again, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what they're trying to clarify is the relationship there and why it got all mur- murky and how the lazy writing contributed to that, that, the lack of development in that storyline. So now, in my opinion, they could do this whole thing where that, that part of the trilogy, those trilogy, those three vi- uh, movies were an alternate reality, were an alternate dark force reality presented by Palpatine. <laughs> it's possible. Oh, man, I hope they do something with that, but I doubt it. I doubt it. But what would set Luca? Uh, uh, what would set? Uh, what would set Kylo Ren, or sorry, Ben to Kylo Ren, and cause Luke to potentially want to do what he did in in Episode was it nine, right? Was it Which is put eight. the saber to his throat. Nine. Eight was it eight? Yeah, it was falling, eight. yeah, eight. yeah. It was yeah to, to put yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, to put the saber to his throat. Well, could he have killed Grogu? Oh, yeah, because then because Grogu's not even mentioned, so you could. S- you could say like what Jedi did went... remember, right? Because what Luke said, I saw you killing all of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it that's Grogu. too graphic. Like they built Groku in this, into this beautiful character just to have him get slaughtered in Episode Eight, even though we I don't mean... see it. Like you could, the Palpatine Dark Vision could possibly be the cop out. Here's here's why I don't think it would be Grogu is because Anakin was in the room. Well just turned vader with the younglings and slaughters them all and we're supposed to assume that grogu was there and grogu escaped yeah so that's what they say but what i'm trying to say is is luke is now yeah sorry now at this point yes we're wrapping up here luke luke has at the end of the day saved grogu so where's grogu going to be trained by luke okay who does luke train in the next 10 15 years ben 
Ben Solo. Okay, Ben Solo goes from Ben Solo to Kylo, right? Cool. So how do you assume that happens? He's going to kill a bunch of the younglings the way that Anakin did. Boom. And there we go. That's the answer to the question of what Strass can geek out for forever. <laughs> wow, that this... was a perfect example. Oh, yes. oh my god. <laughs> Jesus that was beautiful. I feel drawn out. I feel exhausted listening to myself talk. Guys, you gotta hop on my stream so we can just have like a full-blown three hours of just Star Wars talk. That, that was a great episode of Hype Geek. Strass Vision, the first guest of Season 2. Alex Strassmore. Season 3. Season three, I'm sorry, man, I'm all over the place. Season three, first guest uh, on Hype Geek, the podcast where we talk to you about what's hype in the culture of gaming. Go check us out on at Hype Geek on all socials. Um, leave us a five-star review. Uh, if you really enjoyed this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, share it with your friends. That's how we grow. And uh, yeah, go follow Strass on Instagram social. Shout it out, Strass. What are your socials? I'm at Strassvision on Instagram, at AlecXStrass on uh, Twitter. And then obviously you can catch me on the Subnation channel uh, Tuesdays at 2 p.m., which would be in 57 minutes, should you like to join. Damn. Well, definitely hopping in. We would love to raid you, uh, but unfortunately we can't. But that, that's pretty much yeah. how we all end good. the Hype Geek podcast. Thank you guys all for tuning in for all the follows, the subs. Um, so yeah, let, let's go raid. Some.